is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. We got another beautiful day here in the Midwest. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. Blue skies, and we love it. Second day of summer in the greatest nation on God's green earth. Thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast this morning. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet, run over to AffirmAmerica.com. Put in your email address. We'll notify you when a new episode comes out. You can also reach me at Marquise at AffirmAmerica.com. 2,000 Mules is still playing over there, free of charge. Check it out. Find out how the 2020 election was stolen. Today is the top five headlines for this Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. Headline number five. First-degree puppetry. Stephen Colbert addresses staffers' capital arrests. Stephen Colbert carved out time on Monday night's Late Show to downplay the arrests of seven of his staffers inside a Capitol Hill building and joked that they committed first-degree puppetry. Members of the Late Show production team were busted Thursday night inside the Longworth House office building after filming interviews there earlier in the day for a segment of Triumph, the Insult Comic Dog. After they'd finished their interviews, my staffers were doing some last-minute puppetry and jokey make-em-ups in a hallway when Triumph and my folks were approached and detained by Capitol Police, Colbert said during his opening monologue. Capitol Police said the seven staffers, along with Robert Smigel, who voices Triumph, were unescorted and without congressional ID on the sixth floor of the building. All right, let's listen to a couple clips here. We have, we have Steve Colbert's explanation and then Joe Concha. This is Colbert. Triumph and my folks shot for two days in congressional offices across the street from the Capitol building. They went through security clearance, shot all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, invited into the offices of the Congress people they were interviewing. And that's very important. You have to invite Triumph in. <laughs> he works on Dracula rules. <laughs> now, end of day two, Thursday evening, after they'd finished their interviews, they were doing some last-minute puppetry and uh, jokey make-em-ups in a hallway when Triumph and my folks were approached and detained by the Capitol Police, which actually isn't that surprising. The Capitol Police are much more cautious than they were, say, 18 months ago, <laughs> and for a very good reason. If you don't know what that reason is, I know what news network you watch. <laughs> so... The Capitol Police were just doing their job. My staff was just doing their job. Everyone was very professional. Everyone was very calm. My staffers were detained, processed, and released. A very unpleasant experience for my staff. A lot of paperwork for the Capitol Police, but a fairly simple story. Until... <laughs> the next night, when a couple of the TV people 
started claiming that my puppet squad had, quote, committed insurrection <laughs> at the U.S. Capitol building. First of all, what? <laughs> Second of all, huh? Third of all, they weren't in the Capitol building. Fourth of all, and I am shocked I have to explain the difference, but an insurrection involves disrupting the lawful actions of Congress and howling for the blood of elected leaders all to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. This was first-degree puppetry. <laughs> this was hijinks with intent to goof. <laughs> okay, and this is uh, Joe Concha. Late night host Stephen Colbert cracks jokes after members of his staff are arrested on Capitol grounds. CBS saying in a statement, quote, their interviews at the Capitol were authorized and prearranged through congressional aides of the members interviewed. Joe Concha joins us now. Joe, what should Americans take away from this episode? They should take away that Stephen Colbert here is lying, of course. Uh, they weren't being professional because they were in the building illegally. They had already been escorted out, and then they were snuck back in. He says, he says oh, well, they were just doing some puppetry and some last-minute stuff in the hallways. He left out the part that they were banging on congressional doors at 8.30 at night. And then he tries to play the victim card and saying, oh, it was an unpleasant experience for his staff. Oh, God, give me a break. If this was a Fox News crew that had committed the same crime, you could be sure this would be covered wall to wall and, and the snark level would be turned up to 14 on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, all security video related to the arrest of the Colbert 7 needs to be released immediately. These activist producers who had already been escorted out of the building, as I said, uh, were not acting professionally. And will be interesting to see what kind of sentencing happens here. Uh, Chad Pergram reported on the network last night. Uh, just last week, a court found uh, a man named Coy Griffin of the group Cowboys for Trump guilty of a misdemeanor of entering the Capitol grounds. He didn't even enter the building itself, and he was sentenced to two weeks in prison. Let's see if justice truly is blind here. Okay, there you go. There's two sides of the story. So, of course, uh, Colbert just wants to uh, make a joke out of it and use it as an opportunity to uh, make fun of uh, the January 6th trial, the sham show trial that's going on right now. And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just so uh, blatantly uh, biased. There's two tiers of justice in the government. And uh, interestingly enough, it was uh, Adam Schiff who uh, invited uh, these people into the, to the Capitol building. So let's see if they can investigate Adam Schiff after he's been investigating the president for the last four years and the last uh, two or three weeks with this sham show that they, that's been going on on Capitol Hill. So this is what you get with these far-left Democrats. It's a one-sided we need to uh, send a good, strong message here in the midterms. All right, headline number four. A.G. Garland visits Ukraine to assist with war crime trials. From Fox News, Attorney General Merrick Garland is making a surprise visit to Ukraine to throw America's weight behind ongoing war crime trials against the Russian military, the Justice Department revealed Tuesday. Ukraine has reportedly opened roughly 16,000 investigations into alleged war crimes by Russian troops since Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine in February. Multiple nations and international organizations have also launched investigations into alleged Russian crimes. Attorney General Merrick Garland is making an unannounced visit to Ukraine today where he will meet with Ukrainian Prosecutor General to discuss U.S. and international efforts to help Ukraine identify, apprehend, and prosecute those individuals 
involved in war crimes and other atrocities in Ukraine, the officials said. Ed Morsi, here in the U.S., we have ongoing violations of federal law in a coordinated campaign of intimidation targeting Supreme Court justices. A domestic terrorist group has already conducted attacks on pro-life centers and promises even more of them. The Department of Justice and the Attorney General have remained on the sidelines as those crimes have unfolded. Instead of dealing with federal matters within his jurisdiction, Merrick Garland has decided to spend some time in Ukraine to mull over U.S. action on war crimes instead. Maybe Garland should have visited the neighborhoods of the justices first. Hey. Okay, so the partisanship of the um, Attorney General is so blatant and so uh, one-sided. First thing that needs to happen is he needs to be removed after the midterms. This uh, Attorney General is dangerous, very dangerous, the way he's promoting his disinformation campaign that came out the other day, and just his lack of justice when it comes to political issues. This is not what the Attorney General is supposed to do. He's supposed to be nonpartisan. So we have to really stand up and address this as the American people, speaking out to our elected officials, letting them know what we think about, how we feel about this Attorney General, and keep him accountable as the, the man who holds the scales for justice in America. All right, headline number three. Three obstacles slowing Elon Musk from buying Twitter. Wall Street Journal. Elon Musk said on Tuesday that his $44 billion bid to buy Twitter, Incorporated, was stalled by three unresolved matters. Earning shareholder approval, obtaining debt financing, and getting answers to his questions about spam and fake accounts on the platform. CNBC. But the fate of the deal has become more uncertain in recent weeks after Musk threatened to walk away, citing concerns over the number of fake accounts on the platform. The billionaire could face a $1 billion breakup fee and possibly even lawsuits if he were to abandon the deal. Speaking at an event hosted by Bloomberg on Tuesday, Musk said there were a number of unresolved matters that will need settling before he can move forward with the takeover. From Fox News, Twitter's board unanimously recommended that its shareholders vote to approve Tesla CEO Elon Musk's $44 billion acquisition of the social media giant. The deal, which is currently expected to close in 2022, would take Twitter private at $54.20 per share. The filing comes, as Musk said in an interview Tuesday at Guitar Economic Forum, that shareholder approval was one of three unresolved matters that stands in the way of the deal. Okay, so, uh, yep, there's still some things that need to be worked out. The fake accounts are obviously one of the big issues that need to be resolved. All these so-called followers of different celebrities, many of them are fake. Many of them have been produced by bots. And so that needs to be resolved because that's going to... Uh, determine the validity of Twitter. And of course, getting the approval from the shareholders is uh, obviously something that needs to be uh, approved before he can go forward. So until these things get worked out, Elon Musk is uh, doing what he needs to do, which is his due diligence before he makes such a large purchase. 
And if they can't uh, resolve these issues and give him accurate information, then I think he has a legal opportunity to walk away from the $1 billion fee that would be associated with walking away from the deal. So Elon Musk is uh, doing what any business person would do. And before he takes possession of Twitter, he needs to get those issues resolved. All right, headline number two. Biden unremorseful about high gas prices pushes clean energy. From Fox News, President Biden faced backlash after appearing to suggest that high gas prices will be good opportunity to make a fundamental turn to clean energy on Monday. Some conservatives called the president out on Twitter for the comments as gas price averages 4.98 a gallon nationwide according to AAA and inflation rose to a 40-year high last month, sparking fears of an impending recession. Biden's comments sparked backlash from many conservatives, with some critiquing Biden as being tone-deaf to the problems of average Americans are facing. Greg Price, Biden, quote, My mother had an expression, Out of everything lousy, something good will happen. We have a chance to make a fundamental turn toward renewable energy electric vehicles, and across the board. All right, so let's listen to Joe Biden in his own words about what he thinks about the energy situation. At the same time, my dear mother used to have an expression, if anything allows me something good will happen if you look hard enough for it. Mm -hmm. We have a chance here to make a fundamental turn toward renewable energy, electric vehicles, and and not just electric vehicles, but across the board. And, And that's something we should be my team is going to be sitting down with the CEOs of the major oil companies this week and uh, try to get an explanation how they justify making $35 billion in the first quarter. Are you planning to sit down with oil and gas CEOs, no. Mr. President? Why, why is that, sir? Because my team's going to do that. Okay. But okay. you did that with retailers and logistics companies and consumer companies. Because uh, I had it already done. Okay, so there you go. We've talked about this before. Again, this is uh, tone deafness. This is no regard for the American people. This is an ideology. This is a, a concept changing to renewables without first having the solution. So they put the American people through uh, terrible gas prices. The families suffer with high costs of energy as part of sparking uh, high inflation numbers. And as a result of this, Biden just uh, continues to speak about changes to electric vehicles, which are currently out of the reach of the middle class to purchase. So uh, these are all going to add up to the midterms. This is going to be the reason why people vote away from Biden. Even the Democrats are walking away from him now because he's tone deaf. He's not somebody that needs to be running the nation at this time. All right. Headline number one. Supreme Court rules Maine state tuition funding cannot exclude religious schools. Axios, the Supreme Court on Tuesday ruled that Maine cannot exclude religious schools from a state tuition aid program, saying that doing so violates the First Amendment. In a 6-3 to opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote that Maine's program operates to identify and exclude otherwise eligible schools on the basis of their religious exercise. The program allows parents who live in areas without public high schools to receive state assistance to cover tuition costs at public or private schools in other communities, as long as they are considered non-sectarian. From the Wall Street Journal, 
Maine has 180,000 secondary school students, fewer than 5,000 largely in the state's sparsely populated north live in localities without public schools and therefore qualify for tuition program. Parents there can obtain tuition payments for any accredited non-sectarian school nationwide that provides instruction roughly equivalent to the education they would receive in public schools. Shannon Bream, quote, we got the school voucher decision. Maine had barred parents without a public school option from using state money toward religious schools. Six to three, SCOTUS finds that violates the Constitution. Okay, so this is a big victory for the First Amendment, or religious freedoms. Again, the, the far left, you know, they want to take uh, religion out of schools. They took prayer out of schools. And as a result, we've seen the decline morally of our nation. And so this is a victory. This is the pendulum swinging back to where it should be, allowing for the use of public funds for uh, religious or non-religious purposes. That's the way it should be done. This is the way the Founding Fathers set up our Constitution. We're glad to see this. This is a good step forward. And kudos to the Supreme Court for passing this Supreme Court ruling. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. Thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. See you then. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great, and we affirm it.